It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Today, this episode is something that I don't have a chance to do nearly as often as I would like. I guess I could do it more often because (laughs) I'm the host of the show. But the way that it works for me to get guests on the show is I end up having a lot of people I've never met before on. And that's exciting and fun. And it it puts me in this place of kind of like ignorance and discomfort. But today, I have someone on who I'm very comfortable with that I've known for many years. In fact, I don't even remember off the top of my head the very first time we met. But this is Melissa. And Melissa, I'm curious, do you remember the very first time we met each other? I totally don't. I don't. Maybe because we've known each other for lifetimes. It's way back there. I love that. And you, yeah, let's hope that that's the case. I mean, I have such strong memories of about 12 years ago when you and I did a photo shoot together. And that's a big part of our history. But we must have known each other relatively well before that photo shoot, because I don't think you would have invited me to do that photo shoot with you unless we already had some sort of history. Maybe we had just like seen each other a lot at events. I mean, that's what's so great about LA. There's such a strong community of like vegan people. And it's just, it's so beautiful. That's like the number one thing I miss. Yeah. I mean, I love that in LA. I think that's kept me living in city despite some of the downsides, but I actually don't find that many downsides. The more I think about it, I'm like, LA feels really good. I think the cost of it can be a downside. The lack of nature besides the ocean or what about the traffic, the parking, (laughs) the traffic, really? (laughs) Well, I think because I work from home that I don't experience that much of it, you know? I Even yesterday, I was driving around at a ton of various places I needed to be, and I was surprised that there wasn't a lot of traffic. I'm like, this is not so bad. Certainly, I've experienced my fair share of traffic in the many years I've lived here, but I guess I don't think about it that much. But you must because you live in Colorado, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. When I first moved here, I remember someone was like, yeah, the traffic's really bad at like five. And I was like, really? Like, I just came from that traffic. That was like really good. <laughs> but yeah, in LA- It's so it's, relative, it's, right? It's so relative. And in LA, it's like wildly different at different times of day. Like I remember my place on Overland was so close to the freeway. And like normally it's like literally two minutes to get to the freeway. But at a certain time of day- you will sit there for an hour just to get on the freeway. And I'm not exaggerating. It's crazy. Okay. That sounds really bad. I can see why. (laughs) It also depends on what part of town you live in. And speaking of Overland, that's where we did the photo shoot. And it's funny, you and I refer to it as the elevator photo shoot because you use that as the backdrop. And I thought that was so cool. Like I remember what it was like to be in that elevator. And I think you had like rigged it up so that the elevator like wouldn't go up and down to other floors. I mean, I had my shoe in the corner. (laughs) That's how we did it. Oh my gosh. I will have to put one of those photos in the show notes for this episode. Do the white bathing suit one. That one was good. 
that was really good, but that was a separate photo shoot that we did once you set up like oh. the really official thing inside, right? Okay, okay, yeah, you know? yeah. No, you're right. Because I've you're had totally the pleasure right. of doing, I think, two photo shoots with you total, but maybe there was another one I'm forgetting. The elevator one is funny too because people refer to it as the broccoli photo. I think to this day, when you Google my name and look at the images, your photos, at least one of your photos shows up for me. And there's one where I'm holding broccoli. And I remember one of my ex-boyfriend's mom looked me up and saw that photo. And then she said, my boyfriend at the time, like, oh, this is your girlfriend. And it was like the picture. I'm like in my underwear holding broccoli. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But that was like forever in my Google search history. Oh my gosh, I love it. So funny. So if the listeners ever Googled images of me, you've probably seen at least one of those pictures from Melissa. And that is a little bit of the backstory of how we met. And we've already implied that you no longer live in LA. So I would love to know more about that experience when you decide to leave. Because (laughs) what is it like to move from a great city like this into a more relaxed part of the country? Well, I think for me, it was just a very natural progression. A lot of things had happened that kind of just made me feel like I needed to make a change because I was very stuck feeling. Two of my really best friends had moved away. My friend Giselle, she had moved and she was like the one person I saw like all the time besides Donovan. And then Donovan, he had gotten in a relationship and he's married to her now and they're super happy, but he had moved away with her. And that was right when I started dating my ex-boyfriend. And so when my ex and I broke up, when we were together, I kind of let the photo studio like fall to the wayside because I was writing that book. I don't know if you remember, but I was writing a book on veganism. It was really good. And I was working so hard on it. And I was about halfway through, embarrassingly for the amount of time I spent on it. I was only about halfway through. And then my ex and I broke up. And I think I told you this the last time we caught up on the phone, but like, I've never been suicidal still to this day. I've never even been close to suicidal, but that experience like made me have an appreciation for understanding that more. Like it was just a win to wake up in the morning. I was so devastated and I definitely couldn't write. I mean, writing, you're by yourself. It's very like cerebral and writing about veganism and animal rights, like you are faced with like the horrors of, and obviously like that's, very important to me, which is why I was writing it. So like, it's felt like such a big failure to me. So at that point, I was like, okay, I need like to get a different job. Like I need to be making more money. And I'm so grateful and thankful that my parents helped me a lot during that time. And they knew I wanted to write that book. But like, when I was like in that really down place, I think after a while, they didn't want to enable me to stay stuck in that state of mind. And, you know, they were kind of pushing me like do something else, whether it's the photo studio again or whatever, like do something else. And I knew I wanted to do software engineering. That was where I met my ex. We met in school. But man, that was just like a really painful transition to, okay, like I need to get my ass in gear and and do something that's like I'm going to have an adult job and make some money. So I kind of went down that path. And then it just was a very obvious choice. This is a whole other tangent. I don't know if we should talk about, but I got my first engineering job in a really strange way. And it was in Colorado. So I just decided, yeah, let's just move to Colorado. So, and I also wanted to talk about psychedelics a little bit here. So at this point, when I was 
going through like the worst part of my depression, I had done a lot. So like in the depths of my depression, I don't know if you know much about ayahuasca, but I was like very interested in ayahuasca at the time. And I actually ended up doing it a couple times. And that's one of the reasons I wanted us to like touch on synchronicities. Oh man, I don't know if I should go down this rabbit hole. This is like a very long rabbit hole. But anyway, my point I is- I love rabbit holes, so please do. do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just feel like the psychedelics kind of opened my eyes to the fact that what's going on here is not all that we're perceiving in our everyday reality. Like, I think there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, whether you want to call that spiritual or religious or whatever. There's, I do think we have connections with others that are somehow guiding us to certain things. Cause I had some experiences that were just so unlikely to all have happened all at once that it's like, it would be crazier for me to think that they were coincidences. Oh my gosh, this is such a long rabbit hole. But anyway, one of the coincidences was there are a couple of people that I watch online. Like I'm super into aliens and stuff like that. And there are a couple of pe- people that I watch that I'm into. And I was watching a YouTube video and they were like, oh, contact in the desert is this weekend. You should come. I'm speaking. And it was literally the next day when I heard them say that. And I was like, oh, I've always wanted to go to contact in the desert, you know, but I have two dogs and like, I don't trust anybody to watch my dogs. But I was like, if I can find somebody to watch the dogs, I'm going to go. Surprisingly, I did find somebody. And then I just went there by myself. Like this was totally unplanned. So I didn't have any friends. Not that any of my friends are interested in aliens enough to come with me, but I went there by myself and I kept going back to the Gaia table because like the guys there, I just like started talking to and kind of made friends with them. And, you know, when I was milling around and like didn't know what else to do, I would go over and talk to them. So at the end of the night, we were like, yeah, let's go to the golf course and like hang out and look for UFOs. So we were like all, there was maybe like five of us and we were all hanging out and talking. And at the end of the night, they were like, so what do you do? And I had just finished my boot camp, my software engineering boot camp, and I this is when I needed to get the engineering job. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm a software engineer." And they all were like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it!" Because one of them was like the HR person, and she had told them all that her intention on this trip was to find a female software engineer to hire. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So anyway, I was like, "You guys, don't put that much pressure on me. Like, I'm not that good. I'm telling you." And they're like, "No, no, no. We're gonna hire you." And you know, I went through the process, and it was like such a great job. And when I moved here, it didn't even feel like it definitely felt like the right decision. And then even though I was leaving like the community of vegan people and my home for 18 years, when I moved here, Gaia is such a cool place to work. There are so many interesting people, like all of us know about the aliens, you know, it's great. So I made a lot of friends and there are actually a lot of vegan people there too. So that was cool. But yeah, anyway, and I love software engineering. I really do. But it just still a sad transition for me because I really wanted to get the book done. So even though that was like a really hard time in my life, that sadness was kind of what helped me discover the pillow. Because when I tell you, I like cried literally for like a year straight. I am not exaggerating. Like I cried every day and I was sleeping a lot. And one morning I woke up and I looked at myself in the mirror and I could see the wrinkles from how I had slept. And then I was like, that's weird. And I Googled and it's a thing. How did I not know this is a thing until I'm 35? Like, and it makes so much sense. You spend a third of your life sleeping. And if you're sleeping like this, smashed against your pillow, like, of course, it's going to exacerbate the wrinkles on your face. So I kind of figured out 
I had like a really tiny little travel pillow that I can kind of like when I was sleeping, I would try to avoid. And then it got to the point where I was like, I couldn't sleep if like I could feel the wrinkles forming, you know, it was just like so unhappy about it. So I basically sewed myself like the precursor to this pillow. It's gotten much better since then. This wasn't like my life's dream to like make this pillow or anything, but I just think it's such a good opportunity because, and I'm not still 100% sure this is patentable. I have the provisional patent on it, but that doesn't mean you're actually going to get the actual real utility patent. It just means that intellectual property is there for you for like a year to see if you can do something with it. So once I actually pay for the real patent, we'll find out if one, if someone else already has a patent that invalidates mine, or two, this might be so obvious or whatever. I forget the exact wording, but if something's so clear that it's not patentable, which might be the case. I'd love to see the pillow for people that are watching the video version or clip of this. And this is the all night pillow which you and I have been talking about for the last few weeks. You you reached out to me and we reconnected after kind of years of not talking as much. You said, Whitney, I've, I've made this body pillow and you immediately had my attention. And then you started talking about what this body pillow was. And we're going to share more details about that through the episode. But I love this journey you're describing because there's so many benefits to the right pillow. And I don't know that much about wrinkles on pillows and all that stuff, you know? So I love hearing your story and I'm so excited to hear more. But first, I want to see what the all-night pillow looks like right now, Melissa, in its current iteration. It's not just a body pillow. It's also a face pillow. So mine, I don't put very much filling in mine because that's just the way that I like to sleep on it. But it's adjustable. That's one of the good things about it. So like, if you get it and you want to have yours be like a little thicker, that's an option for you. But basically all it does is it takes the pressure off your cheekbone and your jawline while you're sleeping. So you can kind of move it around and make it comfortable for yourself. There are competitor pillows that do basically the same thing that take the pressure off these pressure points on your face. But they're in my experience, and I can't speak for everyone else, but in my experience, they were so uncomfortable that I couldn't sleep with them even if I wanted to. And also a lot of them are made out of memory foam and they're kind of harder. So that you can even put pressure on a different point so much more that you get wrinkles in a different place. Like if, if you're supporting yourself like solely with your brow line, you know, pulling your your brow up like this all night isn't good either. So this, is, it just blows everything out of the water. It's so soft. It's so comfortable. You can use it. The reason mine is so deflated is I like to use it with another pillow. So it's basically like sleeping on the pillow you like to sleep on, but it just puts this little tiny space between you and that pillow. But especially when it's used in combination with the body pillow, that's when it's like, like when I I was telling Whitney before we were on the phone, I was like, when I get depressed about this and I like can't find a manufacturer and I'm having trouble getting on the social media stuff again, I wake up in the morning and I'm so comfortable. I'm like, I have to pursue this because people are going to love this. Like I'm so hard to please when it comes to stuff like this. And like, this has been I'm not even exaggerating, like life-changing for me. Like quality of your sleep is life-changing. And like not even just for like your looks, but like your overall health too. Right now I've been going to an acupuncturist and I didn't even know this, but this is like a train of thought in like Eastern medicine, but like muscle cramps and pain that you get, whether it's from sleep or whatever, is from not getting enough blood thrown 
flow and circulation through certain areas, which is why sometimes when you wake up, you feel back pain or whatever kind of pain. But apparently anything that's like neck and down, but like anything that relates to like your neck, if you're not getting that circulation when you're sleeping at night, not only can you have like brain fog in the morning because you're that blood isn't circulating to your head as much, but like that's you're not getting the nourishment to the skin on your face and whatever. So it's like it's not just waking up with back pain and neck pain like hurts. It does affect the anti-aging stuff and it does affect your energy level and your mood and whatever, like more than you thought, because it's actually about your circulatory system. But anyway, and I think I wanted to also mention, like, I don't know, like pillows are just so subjective. Like what people like is so different. And some people like a hard pillow. Some people like a soft pillow. Some people don't sleep with a pillow. So it's hard to say what other people are going to like, but I do think people like me, one of the reasons I decided to advertise mostly to women right now is because the body pillow, I think is something that is a little better for women potentially because we have curvy shapes. So like, for example, laying straight down on your back, if you have a big butt like I do, that puts stress on your spine. And like, it's not comfortable for me to sleep just on my back which really is the gold standard for not getting wrinkles on your face. You want to be sleeping on your back. But it's just not even an option for me. I can't do that. My lower back will hurt. So I think I can recommend this body pillow to anyone that hasn't tried one yet that's a little curvy because like it's a night and day difference. So the pillows work in two, three ways actually. So one is the one I already talked about where it takes the pressure off those points on your face. Very important one. The second very important one I think we just talked about is like the blood flow circulation thing. But also the other very, very important thing is learning to sleep on your back because I was a stomach sleeper, which is the absolute worst for your face because when you putting just so much more pressure, like even more than a side sleeper. So you really want to start training yourself to sleep on your back. And for me, that was hard because like, if anything, I really gravitate towards sleeping on my side. If I can't sleep on my stomach, I want to sleep on my side. So with this body pillow, you actually can sleep on your side, but you will sleep on your side tilted up. So you've got something in front of you that you can put your arms around, and then you can also tuck it really close into your back so that you can kind of just lean against it. And then coupled with like it supports this pillow exactly the right way so that this part stays off the center. And it's just perfect for helping you learn to sleep on your back or at least sleep on your side facing up. And I'm actually really surprised. I want to pause you for a second because it's unbelievable what you've created. (laughs) And your knowledge around this is so impressive. And thinking back about everything you've shared up until this point of your transition from like incredible photography, truly, I left this part out, but I've worked with a lot of photographers and you are easily one of the best I've ever worked with. The way that you think about all the details of the lighting and the angles and the clothes. I mean, like you just have a mastermind truly. And then being a software engineer, I imagine requires your brain to work in a certain way. And now you're developing something else, which it seems like nobody else has really thought of in the way that you have. And that innovation is so incredible to witness. And you're not just doing these things for yourself. You're doing them for other people. Like That's also the overarching thing I've seen in all the years that I've known you. It's not a selfish act. It's that you're taking your passion and your interests 
and using them to bring out the best in people, truly. Like you did that in your photography. And now you could do that with a pillow <laughs> of something people might never thought of, like me. Like, I don't think about how my face is being stretched or compressed or scrunched up or whatever. Like, I just want to be able to sleep well. But now you can sleep really well and take care of things that have never even crossed your mind. Well, thank you. That's like really, really a nice compliment. And that's nice to say. But that's one of the reasons that, like, I think I got away from social media a little bit is like, I feel like a lot of times the people that stick with it are very good at being extroverted and making it about themselves and no shade to that. Like, I think that's awesome. And that's how you promote yourself and get yourself out there. I like it to be about other people. I don't want it to be about me. Like, so I respect that. And thank you for saying that. And I think you're exactly the same way too. Like you're very good at making people comfortable and sharing your spotlight. And I like that. And social media, my belief around that is that it can be about other people. It's just that we haven't been in a lot of ways where I think our society encourages us to be self-centered, encourages us to work as individuals, not to collaborate, not to give other people value. I mean, that's sprinkled in. Certainly, we hear messages about being selfless. We hear messages about collaborating. But what I've noticed recently is there's a lot of like every man for himself mentality or let me do this just so I can gain something from it. And it doesn't have to be that way. So that's part of like almost like a hidden message in the work that you do, Melissa. You know, it's like there's so much more than what we can gain for ourselves. We can gain for ourselves and help other people at the same time. And I just think that's beautiful about what you do. And I do want to come back to that. I do want to talk about the social media portion of this because that's one of the things about this business that's given me the most anxiety. But before I forget, I wanted to say a couple of things about the pillow. So one of the things that I really like about certain pillows is they have like zippers. So you can just regular pillows I'm talking about. So you can put in different filling or take filling out, whatever, and make it so you like it. So I was kind of surprised that there was no prior art that I could find patent-wise where, because when you have a long pillow, like the filling moves around. Like that's one of the big problems with the first prototype that I made. Like for a while, it was good the way it was. And then over a period of months, it was like really moving around, which was also a good thing because it helped me realize like, oh, this is better when there's less in certain places. But especially with the body pillow, because like when you buy a body pillow, it's usually, I mean, unless there's something I haven't seen that it does exist, but like the body pillow all the way around really has the same amount of filling. So my body pillow actually has seven compartments. And one of the things that I think makes it far superior to others is the centermost compartment. I think I'm going to have it ship with less filling in it because people want to use the pillow that they like for their face. So most body pillows don't let you do that at all, which is one of the reasons that I find them like a no-go. So this one you can use it as a pillow. You can put exactly the amount that you want in there, or you can take it out a lot so you can use your own pillow with it. And then it's also very advantageous for women that are pregnant because it's very common for a pregnancy when you're having a pregnancy to use a body pillow. So mine, you could actually, if you wanted to, and I've never been pregnant, so I don't know if this is actually like applicable to people, but if you wanted to, you could take out one of the side center pieces. You can take out a lot of the filling there so that you're baby bump is in line with the rest of your body sideways. And 
So when I start promoting, I'm going to try to find some pregnant vegan women that I can send this to and see if they like it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. And then for the face pillow, the way that I think I'm going to ship it is the way that I like it. But obviously, like all of these compartments are, you can change them, the amount of filling in them. But the way that works best for me is the most filling at the top and then less filling in the middle and less filling at the end. So the more filling at the top gives me that support for my forehead. And then when it comes over here, I want less because I don't want it like choking me. And then especially for people with big breasts and in combination with the body pillow, if you sleep with this in between your chest, like this helps you not get these chest wrinkles too. And then like I'll put it here and then I'll kind of hug the body pillow and I will have a wrinkle-free sleep all night long. Wow. I mean, the details are just so cool. And I'm curious too, where are you at right now, Melissa? Like if people are listening to this and thinking, I need to get this pillow, can they buy it? What's the stages since you've been talking about all this development? If someone's super eager to check it out, where do they go? What can they do right now? Okay. So you cannot buy it yet. I've been having like the hardest time finding a manufacturer, which I think I just found the right one. But if you want to go to allnightpillow.com, that's where you can sign up for the email list. And I did not set up an initial email. So even if you don't get an email, it's okay. You're, you'll be on the list. But I feel like everybody that wants to pre-order, please sign up on that. And then you'll get an email as soon as the Kickstarter goes up and you will get the very first steepest discount. I'm probably going to do like three tiers of discounts depending on how close we get to production. But like the beginning adopters will get the best discount. I mean... I want to hear more about that stuff too. Like what's it like to try to find a manufacturer and then learning how to crowdfund? I mean, when you were talking to me initially, you're talking about the patents and all that. And I immediately thought of Shark Tank. Like, because <laughs> you know, I don't know that much about this industry. When I hear the word patent, I think about all the episodes of Shark Tank I've watched. But I think that you told me you didn't want to go the investor route. You wanted to go the crowdfunding route. And so how did you make those decisions? Like there's so much complexity that comes into developing a product like this completely on your own. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like it's less complicated when you don't have to answer to investors in any way. Like I would rather just do this through pre-sales, which is a little more risky because I've got to put my own money into promotion, which will be okay. But like, I think I told you I quit my job a couple months ago. Now I can't let my parents listen to this podcast because I didn't want them to know I quit my job just because they financially helped me like so much throughout the years. And I know they worry about my capability of like financially taking care of myself, but I do have a skill set and a very lucrative career and I'm going to be fine. And I am going to apply for jobs in the next month. But like the progress that I was making on this was just so slow. Like I had to take a week here and there, vacation days to like, I had to teach myself how to write the patent, which I got on Udemy and I got a course, like one of the Facebook attorneys like made a course on patents and it was mostly for like software patents, but I just changed it for what I needed. So that was its own little journey. And then sewing the prototype, like the good prototype was its own journey because I'm terrible at sewing. I have a sewing machine, but it's just like a miracle if it doesn't eat the thread every 10 seconds. So I had to take a week and do that. And then finding the manufacturer so far has been the hardest thing because it just seems like I would like to keep this in the US, at least for now, just because you don't really know, you know, you hear these horror stories about how badly people are treated in the overseas, things like this. And I'm not saying that they're all like that. I'm sure they're not. But 
I just don't personally know. So like I would rather keep it in the US, at least for now, until anyway, so like what I'm doing is considered small batch. Like the Kickstarter is gonna be like 250 to 500 pillows. So small batch manufacturing seems to be a tumultuous kind of thing because it's like a lot of these companies, and this is just my experience. I don't know if I'm reading this the right way, but like they're always open to new work, but then they have so much contractual obligation already that a lot of times it's not the right product for them. So I've contacted a ton, like literally like over 30 and most of them don't contact me back. And the ones that have I'll get all excited about and they want to see the product and, you know, whatever. And then a couple of them have just like ghosted me after I've had meetings with them. And that's been really demoralizing because I'm like, I can't advertise this pillow if I don't know how much it's going to cost. And I I need to know who's going to manufacture it. I need to do a time trial. I need to get the materials lined up and some of the stuff, you know, I can't do by myself. So I think I finally found the right one. It's a company that only does pillows. It's They ignored my emails twice. I finally got in contact with them because I had talked to a different company that was like, yeah, we don't do that, but this company does it. And I was like, yeah, I can't get them to email me back. And the guy was like, let me call them. So, cause they had a relationship already. So that just happened a couple of days ago and they've been super great, very responsive. And as soon as I get off the phone with you, I'm going to continue making a prototype because I'm going to send them two prototypes. The other thing is I feel like silky satining material I feel like it's very commonly used for stuff like this, which I think is a really bad idea personally. One, silk's not vegan, and I think it's terrible to kill insects for something like that. And two, I think it's just actually not smart. Like maybe a silky material would be good for like an eye mask, like something that moves with you when you move. But just like a material that creates a lot of friction, like a rough material, that will kind of create pulling or whatever, but like so will a silky material, especially if you sweat a little bit at night because it's going to stick to your body and it's going to pull. So the reason that I decided on this faux fur material, and it was kind of a hard decision because faux fur is not very environmentally friendly and I'm trying to make this pillow as environmentally friendly and sustainable and healthy as possible. So everything that can be organic will be in like the inner filling is going to be recycled. It's got to be really soft. So we can't use organic cotton because that's a little firmer. We're going to use a recycled poly cluster fiber fill, probably mixed with Tencel, which is like another really eco-friendly, sustainable option. But the outside of this, I kind of debated on this, like if I was going to sell this outside cover with it to begin with. And I don't think I am just because maybe not everyone's going to like this because some people sleep really warm. And this is like a very warm material. So, and because it's not eco-friendly, I'd rather if people think they're not going to like it, like I don't want it to come with the pillow, but I'll probably just offer like a really steep discount for people that buy the pillow that can also buy this if they want. But I think I would recommend this, especially for the face because this faux fur, what's good about it is when you move, it's got like this really small delta of change that will move with you. So like, it's just not going to pull your skin the same way. It's going to move when you move. And I just think it's, the best option, but I am going to look for some kind of recycled. It's still a material that's a little bit more eco-friendly. I'm going to do my best to find something like that. But anyway, I'm glad I got that out of the way. I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. This is exactly what I want from products. I love things that are not only innovative, 
but so much passion has been put into them. You know, like that's what I want to buy. I want to support small business owners like you. That's why you're on the show. I want to support people that care about the environment and animals and other people. And I also want things that are just like really considerate, you know, of like what are people struggling with? You are addressing, Melissa, so many pain points that again, people don't even, or I would guess most people don't even realize they have because nobody's even told them that this stuff is going on. Yeah. And that's the thing too. It's like this pillow, it's like, I feel like it should apply to a wide range of ages because when I was younger, I didn't think about this. Like I didn't think like, oh yeah, when you're 35, you get wrinkles. Like, okay. Like I just, I never even, you know, but like the best time to use this is before you have the wrinkles, like for sure. But I do think it's helpful when you already have them too, because one of the reasons that people use, have you ever seen those stickers, Whitney, that go like here? Yeah. So the idea behind that, and they do really work, although 100% do not sleep in them. That is my personal opinion. I think it's very not smart to sleep in them because- You're talking about the silicone eye patches or they're yeah. like anti-wrinkle stickers that you put on your face? So they do work. And the way they work is they kind of pull- the wrinkles that you already have, they kind of pull it out to a flat surface and they let that circulation go back through that area. It just helps you like not continue with that crease in your face. It kind of helps your body like put circulation back into those areas. So that's a great thing. Like do it while you're driving, do it while you're sitting up doing work at home. Don't sleep in them because I, I have slept in them and I can tell you that it will create other problems because you're still pulling and now you're pulling in a different way because you've got this thickness on your face. Like, I don't know how to express it right, <laughs> but I do think they work. I just don't think you should sleep in them because again, like anything like that is going to pull you in a different way. So, but anyway, I think the idea behind that is letting that circulation back through into that area. And I think even if you have a lot of wrinkles already, starting to sleep like this every night can kind of maybe even, who knows, but maybe it can start to help you repair because I think you do swell a little bit at night when you sleep, when your face, which is actually kind of a good thing because it allows more circulation and fluid to the area. So maybe over time it can even actually like help you combat things that are already there. And you're touching upon something else too, Melissa, which is that some products are made to help with one issue you don't realize they're causing another one. <laughs> like the, the, I feel like in the anti-aging world, which you're becoming so knowledgeable on, it's sold to a lot of people out of fear. And when people are afraid, they'll make decisions that might not be in their best interest or they don't have all of the details, but they're moving so quickly. They just want to get over the fear. They want to solve the problem. They'll do anything. And they'll end up buying something without understanding the potential consequences, the downsides to it. And that especially applies to plastic surgery, which I have some experience with. But, you know, you fix one thing and then a different problem that you didn't realize was going to be a problem will be a problem. So and I think you can appreciate, you know, we're both vegan. We both care about the animal rights side of this, which is why I will never do Botox because I think any medical product at some point was probably not good concerning animal testing, but like, especially Botox, I think to this day, they still do a percentage of their tests are 
lethal dose tests, which is like really, really nasty, like killing mice and for nothing, like for what? Like as much as I would like to be beautiful, I will become a wrinkly, ragged mess like from now until forever to not do that to animals. Like that's not okay. I do do filler. There's hydrolonic acid fillers that, I mean, like I said, probably no product like this is good, but you know, I feel like we all kind of have a line of like, no one that's vegan does absolutely nothing that's harmful, you know? But anyway, so I do do filler like in certain areas. And, and this brings me to another, like one other thing that you can do to help your face be nice for a long period of time, which I wish I known when I was younger is like, don't make a habit of biting your lips or like biting your cheeks. Cause like that repetitive motion over time definitely creates like the nasal labial fold lines and like just lines around your mouth. I catch myself now when I do it and I'm just like, don't do that. But yeah, that's a big one. Anything you do over you know, a long period of time, which is why sleep is one of the big ones because you spend 30% of your life sleeping. But anyway, yeah. So here's the other thing. I was researching facelifts. I, I'm pro plastic surgery. I like plastic surgery. Like if someone likes it, like that's you do you. Like you do what you think is good for you. I'm all for it. But I was researching facelifts and there's a couple trains of thoughts on facelifts where there are some doctors that believe like pulling up, I think it's called the fascia. It's like the layer below your skin. They'll pull that taut and then also pulling the skin and like removing a little bit of skin to pull that taut. And there are some doctors that believe that second part you should do very sparingly, if at all, because over time you're always going to create that laxity whether it's from sleeping or smiling or gravity, like you're always going to create that laxity. And if there's a certain amount of laxity that you have that you can live with, it's probably better not to make that taut again, because over time you're just thinning out your skin. And like, that's going to happen again and again and again, where you're creating that laxity. And now potentially your skin just can't even bounce back from that because you're just, you're pulling it more. I think I'm going to try, I'm not saying I'll never get a facelift, but I'm saying, I think for now, if I can live with the amount of laxity that I have in my face, which is hard because like these wrinkles don't bother me that much, but like these ones do. And I think I have them pretty deep from like, I did some stupid stuff to my face throughout my life. And like, should I go there? Should I tell you? Yeah, I want to hear it. I mean, Melissa, I'm grateful that you're talking about this so openly because A, I've never covered this on the show before, but B, I think the more transparent we can be about the choices we make, when it comes to beauty and anti-aging, it helps other people decide like, okay, I don't want to do this or I want to do this. And, and thank goodness someone like Melissa is sharing about it because I felt afraid to do it. So let's hear it all. Tell me whatever you want to share. Okay. But yeah, I totally agree with what you said. I remember when I read an article when I was like a kid, I think it was like 12 or 13 and I was like reading Seventeen Magazine. I read about this woman that had a nose job and she liked her nose job and she was fine with it, but she wished she hadn't just because like she likes the way her family's nose is. And like, she just wished she hadn't made that decision when she was younger. And like, I liked that tone of that article because it was like very non-judgmental. It's not like, don't do plastic surgery, but it's like, really like, are you sure you're going to want this? So I got my lips done. I don't even remember. I'm so bad at time. I was young. I was like, I think I was in college and I was not vegan at the time. So I, but I still didn't want to do certain materials because I didn't want, there are some materials that are animal based. So I ended up doing Gore-Tex, which was a terrible decision. 
Gore-Tex, I think, is like, you know, they make jackets out of Gore-Tex. It's like a waterproof, like, yeah. So I ended up having that taken out years later because, like, you could really see it. Like, you could really see where it started and ended, and it was hard. I didn't like how it felt. Just because you know what you like and you'll like something indefinitely doesn't mean you should do it because, like, plastic surgeons, there's all kinds of skill levels. And even people that are really good at something sometimes have a bad day. And like, I'm a photographer and like some days I feel like I do a really good job and some days I don't. And like, if I did a bad job on someone's face, like, and that happens, you know, like that. So I would just say caution with doing things that are permanent like that. You know, even if you really trust the person that you're going to and whatnot, because you never know what can happen. But so I ended up having that material taken out. And then what I did next was I had a little liposuction on the inner leg and I had the fat injected and I injected it there and there. And I also did the nasal labial folds because that's one of the places that was getting kind of hollow from like me having that habit of like biting my lips and whatever. I mean, you also just get it from smiling too. But And I'm not saying I don't recommend that procedure, but I just think I'm insecure about my lips now because, and maybe my lips were always uneven. I think they probably were, but it just like kind of emphasized it more to me. And I feel like one of the reasons I don't like being on camera is I don't like looking at my lips and the way they move when I'm talking. Like, I'm just like, oh, it looks weird. But anyway, so I just feel like less is more when it comes to that stuff. Like, I'm not saying don't do it, but less is definitely more in my opinion. And yeah, what else did I want to say on that? I feel like I'm going to go back and listen to this and be like, why didn't I say this? I don't know. I mean, something that's coming up for me listening to this is how other people, or we as individuals tend to notice so much about ourselves that other people don't notice. Like, I would have never even thought that about your lips, right? Like, I'm like surprised to hear you say that. But it's also a relief when you hear someone talk about their insecurities because you're like, okay, what I'm insecure about, A, maybe other people don't notice, but even if they do, they're insecure about something about themselves. Like, that's just the human experience. Even the people we think that are the most, the best looking people they're insecure about something. They just might not share it with us. And so I'm grateful that you are and helping people think through this if it's a consideration. There's so much pressure with anti-aging, especially for women, to make all of these changes. And I think it's important to decide what's best for you and to realize it's a little bit neutral. Like if you want to get some work done, that is what's best for you. And and as you're saying, thinking through it, like, is this a permanent change? Should I do less instead of more? What feels good for me versus am I doing this because I was pressured into it? And then there's a whole side of things, which I'm currently on for myself, where I don't want to do anything. It doesn't even appeal to me. I just... Well, Whitney, I kind that's of because care. you're so naturally beautiful. Look at you. What would There's nothing you would do. <laughs> But that doesn't mean I'm not insecure about things and wonder like the wrinkles and things like that, where I think like I could point them out, but I don't even know if people notice. The other thing is, Melissa, I am am experimenting with letting my hair just be natural in color. So I've got gray hairs that they've been developing over the last three or four years. And the other day I said something to somebody and they were like, oh, I didn't even notice. And I was like, how could they not notice? Like I have a few right up at the front of my hairline. And then I'm like, wow, I notice them every day. But some people that I've been around for a long period of time haven't even noticed. And it's like blows my mind how they could not notice something that seems so obvious. 
And I think that's an important part of this too. It's like, are you doing something because you're afraid of what other people are going to perceive? Or are you doing it because you don't like perceiving that? And so it's truly for you. Like, you don't like the way something looks. So you're not just changing it because you're hoping to change other people's perception. I guess my point is you can't even control other people's perception. You don't even know what they're thinking. So what's yeah, the point? Yeah, and there's the whole argument of where does one start and one end? Like, do you like this thing? Because just do what makes you happy. Like, whatever makes you happy. Even if you want to do it because you think a boy will think you look pretty. Like, if that's what makes you happy, okay. Like, if it's something you didn't want to do, don't do it. So Yeah, I like that perspective a lot. And I think some people just need guidance for what makes them happy. And I'm curious for you, it seems like this body pillow makes you really happy. Do you see yourself sticking with this? Do you want to go back to software engineering and or photography? Like, where is your life path right now? Yeah. It seems like you're all in on this pillow, but you must be thinking about the future too, to some extent. Well, I'm definitely going to get another software engineering job because... This isn't just going to happen without me putting money into it. I'm going to have to put some money into it. But I mean, the goal would be that it gets popular and people like it and it makes money enough to the point where I can work for myself because I do want to do things that are, I don't even want to like revisit in my mind, like, will I finish the book? Maybe, I don't know. But I do have some goals that are software engineering related that I want to work on and I'd love to be able to be making enough money that I can hire other people to work on that with me and help me. So yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever go back to photography just because like I love it and I would like to do it for fun, you know, but like I don't, as far as making money, like, I don't know. But when we were in LA, like living in LA is so expensive. Like even if I was making a lot of money, it still wouldn't have been like a lot of money. So yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. The other thing that I know you wanted to talk about was social media pressure too. And I'm curious, since you mentioned when you're building a brand, there is that pressure to market it properly because you're talking about your goals here of getting the sales and building things up for a business. Every business is thinking about that. And some businesses approach that with the marketing lens primarily. And some people are trying to do everything they can outside of marketing first, and then they'll get to marketing eventually. And then there's the looming side of of social media, which is so tied into marketing. So I'm curious to hear, A, what is your marketing plan right now? And where does social media fit in, if at all? Yeah. Well, it's such a double-edged sword because I don't know, Whitney. It's like when I was younger, when I was in LA, I liked posting everything I was doing. I liked posting my food and like who I'm shooting my photo shoot with and whatever, like that was fun. And I don't know what happened. I think I think it even started happening before my breakup. My brother had actually had an accidental drug overdose. So I think that was really the turning point where, and it, it wasn't because of that, but I think it was like, maybe it like made me a little more depressed or something, but like, I just didn't want to keep putting myself out there. Like I had enough on my mind. I didn't want to argue with people about veganism and whatever. Like I was just, I don't know. That was like the start of me becoming a little more private. And then, you know, when I was going through like my really depressing time, I didn't want to post because it's like, what are you going to post about? Like, and this is like fine therapy for some people where they post their sad quotes and whatever. And like, that's cool. And that's awesome. I'm not denigrating it in any way, but it's not me. So like, I just didn't have anything to post. Like I was 
worried about money. I was worried about my career. Like I just wasn't in a fun headspace where I wanted to like be out there on social media. And then the whole pandemic stuff and all that stuff happening, I have a lot of very controversial opinions. And when you spend your time building your audience in social media, and then it's like, I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm not my authentic self and I don't say what I actually want to say. Then there's also, it's also like, if you do say that stuff, not only do people not like you and they unfollow you and whatever, like the algorithm doesn't like you. So I want to be very careful going into this, knowing that I want to have a separation between my personal presence and my business presence because I don't want to be inauthentic and I don't want to. I don't know, Whitney. It's so hard because it's like sometimes like I used to post like the really nasty animal stuff because that's what made me vegan. Like hearing about a slaughterhouse and seeing what happens at a slaughterhouse are two totally different things. And I think everyone should see it. If you're not vegan, like if you're vegan and you don't want to put yourself through that, go ahead. Be my guest. I don't put myself through it anymore either. If you're still eating animals, you 100%, in my opinion, should be watching that because you are the reason that's happening. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be aggressive, but there's no government that's going to come in and put regulations in place and whatever. Like it's going to be through demand that that stuff goes away and it is going to go away. And I still believe it's going to go away in our lifetimes. But, and I think it really dovetails into all the bad things that are happening for humans too, because we are giving these corporations power. Every time we give them money, it's power that is used for censorship, for fake, in my opinion, what the fake news is. These companies at their core, like don't care about torturing and murdering others. Like they literally make their whole business from it. And whether it's a chicken or a human, it doesn't matter. So anyway, just been a lot to think about. Like, cause I do know I'm gonna have to market on social media. And honestly, that's been giving me a lot of anxiety, like more than anything in this process. Cause just putting that energy and that money and that effort into building a presence is hard. And I know for someone like me, it's going to be tumultuous because I think now there's a lot of not authentic stuff going on because people sell through social media and whatever. And, and I don't think that's bad. I'm not saying I think that's bad. Like I think it's awesome to have an audience that might like what you're talking about and whatever. Like That's so great. But when it gets to the point where like it's all about what you're selling and not about like what's authentic to you, like that's where it's a problem. I couldn't agree more. And that's exactly why it's been so amazing having you on the show today because I believe podcasting is one of the greatest ways to truly express yourself and be authentic if you choose to. You know, not everybody who comes on this show taps into authenticity. They're not as transparent as you. And I already see that. I've seen that through this episode. And I was just thinking to myself, Melissa, it's going to be so cool to see how the pillow officially launches and the orders start and just that journey. I feel like it'd be amazing to have you back for a follow-up episode after some a period of time has passed to just see like, what did social media look like for you? And how did that evolve? And how did the pillow evolve? And, and how have you evolved alongside it? I mean, I kind of see this as the before we've been talking so much about transition today. We've been talking about life transitions, personal transitions, professional transitions, all these things. And sometimes we can't even imagine what was going to happen on the other side of that transition. 
And I think it's just going to be absolutely incredible for you. And, and staying rooted in that authenticity is something that's a big part of my personal value. As the listeners of this show know, if they've been listening to this podcast for the last four plus months, I took a break from social media for a lot of the same reasons, Melissa. I, the cons really outweighed the pros. And I wanted to get more rooted in my authenticity. I don't even know for sure what my presence will look like on social media, if at all. And the cool thing is with marketing, there are so many avenues outside of social media that we can tap into. So if the listener is resonating with what Melissa is talking about, I want to be a reminder to you both that you don't have to do social media. Or if you do it, you can stay rooted in that authenticity. And that was part of how Melissa and I reconnected. <laughs> we had a conversation about this off of the podcast. And I'm rooting for you to, to do social media authentically or to make the decision to focus on other elements of marketing where you feel like your authentic expression can come out. Because a pillow like yours needs to be received by the masses so that they can all benefit from everything you've talked about today. I think it's a disservice for them not to know about it. And it's just about what's the right avenue for people to learn about you, your work, Melissa, the pillow, and also tying in on the, the other things you're passionate about too. I think you did such a great job today. I mean, we talked about aliens. We talked about slaughterhouses. We talked about suicide, all sorts of things we kind of like touched upon briefly. Like, I'm a big believer in sharing the wholeness of who you are. And I know that can be tough in a world that is often censored. And that's something so many people can relate to, Melissa. So thank you for sharing where you're at right now with your journey and what's led you to this point. And for the listener, if you're interested in the all-night pillow, as Melissa said earlier, we're going to link to this in two places. One is the description of the podcast. So it'll be like a little block of text within the podcast player that has a link to that including her social media. So should Melissa continue down the social media route with All Night Pillow, we'll link to the Facebook, Instagram, anywhere else she shows up. But I really love that you set up the email newsletter list for people so they can follow along and get notified. So that's allnightpillow.com. And I will put that also in the full show notes. So if you want to go back and read this episode, watch the video version of it, is that wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. It'll have the links to All Night Pillow videos, anything else. We'll put the photos we talked about at the beginning. <laughs> so the broccoli photo. Bathing suit picture too. Yeah. I've got that one in there. I will put that in. I already made a note. Plus the beautiful photos. I mean, Melissa, you said that you don't imagine going back to photography, but the first thing I noticed when I went to the All Night Pillow website was the gorgeous photos that you took. And you have such a signature style. I'm like, I know Melissa took those, like the lighting and the colors and the model you use. Like, it's so Melissa. So even if you don't pursue photography the way you used to, it shows up with your pillow. And that's just amazing to see. I feel like I really leaned into like the super soft and feminine set, which is like not really my look. Like I'm kind of like, I feel more comfortable harder, but like, I like the soft femininity right now. I'm into it. Like, and I think the pillow is also for men, but like for now, I just wanted to go like the really girliness. I liked it. I, I love it. I mean, you just naturally know how to brand something like that. The colors just really stood out to me and it did feel feminine and luxurious and 
fascinating and unique. I mean, you nailed it. Going back to what I said, I just can't wait to see how this evolves because this is just the beginning, Melissa. So it's so cool to be part of something this early. It's scary to like try to put something out there because I feel like I failed at a lot of things I tried to do. So maybe it's like time for a win now. I don't know. But it's just, it's scary putting yourself out there. And I've taken so much time and money already to try to do it. So I don't know. We'll see. I feel like people are going to like it. I just really inside feel like it. So I guess we'll find out. Well, I like it. And I've really enjoyed hearing all the details today, Melissa. And I liked what you're embracing into. Like you're acknowledging the roller coaster of life, the perceived failures, and your desire for things to work out. So you have my full support and hopefully the listeners too. We didn't even talk about the body pillow you sleep with. We didn't talk about my breakup. We didn't talk about so many other things, but it's okay. We'll do another podcast about breakups. (laughs) I, I I know. This is why we have to have a part two. We'll save some things for the next episode. Was there anything we didn't cover that you're really eager to dive into before we wrap up? No, not really. I guess. No, I think so. Then I think we'll authentically end there and we'll put a to be continued on this conversation. Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. 